we look at the three C's. One is charisma. Can you actually communicate? The Riz. <laughs> like if you, I did not think we were going to get a Riz reference hey, here. Hey, look, if you don't have the Riz, what are you <laughs> like? What are you doing? I don't know. It's not, it's not going to work. Here's what go-to-market teams are missing. Proof. That's what I think of every morning when I fire up LinkedIn and scroll through boring manifestos and endless lukewarm takes because opinions are cheap and proof is gold. I'm Mark Huber and this is The Proof Point, a show from user evidence that helps go-to-market teams find new ideas, frameworks, and tactics that actually work today. Each episode includes an unfiltered discussion with the biggest names in B2B SaaS to help me find the proof points that I'm in search of. Hot takes, always welcome. All right, so I'm really excited because we are talking about the state of content in 2024 with three very different people who each bring their own unique perspectives. So first up, he's helping every company become a media company as the CEO of Audience Plus, Anthony Canada. Anthony wrote the book on category creation, like actually it's over on that shelf, and has an inside view on B2B content from up top. Next up, at least in my book, he's one of the OG creators in the B2B SaaS world, and he now runs his own media agency, AMP, Morgan Ingram. Morgan is always ahead of the curve when it comes to content, and even more so now as he helps B2B content teams build media engines. And to round out this episode, one of the biggest names in the B2B content game, two-time head of content at two different household B2B SaaS brands, Devin Reed. Devin is always stealing my content ideas. Okay, just one time. I always borrow from him and has turned into one of my go-to work friends in all of B2B marketing. All right, well, <laughs> Devin Heavy, kick us off. This is all you. All right, you want to know what's grinding my gears. Mark, you asked me, what's my hot take? Bro, this Twitter thread is worth more than your MBA. Bro, <laughs> I went from zero to seven million impressions in six days. Steal my template. Bro, 99% of salespeople don't know how to cold call. Here's how to really do it. Hey, entrepreneur, bro. Hey, marketing, bro. Hey, creator, bro. Stop the bullshit. Stop the bullshit. We don't believe you. I don't want your fucking template. I don't believe in your stats. And I know damn well, looking at your LinkedIn profile, you haven't done the things you're saying you're doing. So stop chasing clout. Stop trying to hijack my feed with your nonsense. And let's just keep it real in 2024. Let's just talk about the things we know are true. Let's just talk about the things we know we've actually done. Huh? Can we do that? Well done. <laughs> Performance 10, content 10. Morgan, was that Devin Light or Devin Heavy? That was Devin Heavy. This is what I wanted. I'm already excited. I'm tired of it, man. I'm, I'm so, so right tired of it, man. I'm reading this stuff on Twitter. I'm reading on LinkedIn like, for a second, wait, am I behind? Do I not know what I'm doing? Am I terrible at my job? And then I realize, oh, no, I'm not. These are just lies. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Mark, you said you literally you, we're texting you like or email or whatever. Like whatever your hot take is, I literally had popped open from the feed to my email when some entrepreneur bro is telling me I'm sleeping too much spending too much time with my kids and my business is growing way too slow because I don't have, you know, 10 rental properties by the time I'm 30. Dude, if you're not making 1 million a day, you might as well quit. That's what I heard. Yeah. Oh That's my God, hearing. you don't, I don't have 14 <laughs> streams of passive income? I can't believe you woke up today. Yeah, dude, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of seeing it. 
I'm pretty sure I'm not going to out anybody here, but I'm pretty sure I could guess who you are talking about on Twitter within like three to five guesses because <laughs> I see those way too often. But how, like, how did we get to this point? Like, I feel the same way, Devin. How did this happen? How are we here in 2024? I'm taking all the mic. I have thoughts and opinions. I have had coffee this morning. And Mark, you said, you said I've got Morgan, Anthony, Mark, and Devin, and it's not a webinar, and I'm allowed to curse. You actually didn't say I could curse. I decided that. Uh, and no, so I'm like, yeah, let's it. bring it all the way. I'll, all right, I'll, so I'll, I want to hear from Morgan or Anthony why they think we got here, and then I'll, I'll add if I want. We, I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about this later, but we got here because people want to feel like they're doing a lot and actually do nothing. So those posts where it's like, oh, I read something that the 1% did. I felt like I accomplished on today and no one will do anything. So that's what people actually want. They just want to yeah. feel like they're great and actually do nothing great. That's the reality. And someone could fight on that, but like that it's proof of the pudding. That's what's happening. Yeah. So that's why people stage it that way. Because you could say, well, today I wrote five threads on how to do 14 income streams, how to get a million followers in 30 days. I now know how to be the 1% cold caller. I now could be a founder tomorrow and, and hire 10 people, right? I could yeah. go do that. And then also as well, I figured out how to travel the world. So like now you feel accomplished, but you actually accomplished nothing because you didn't do anything. And yeah, I'd probably say yeah. 90% of the people that have threads like that, it's not even their own advice. That's the crazier part of it. It's not even their advice. It's something that they copied from like Bro. a course and they put it out right. there and then they resell it's crazy man it's getting yeah. too much but that's why people want to have that feeling but they actually will never never is a strong word they most of them will just not do the execution it's kind of like they found a way to monetize clickbait they are actually making yeah. money doing the thing that they've never done before just by saying the thing that they've never done before but people click and then they buy the course and then whatever. And they're like, oh, I can do this. Like, this is so much better yeah. than going and like taking a job or whatever. So there might be something to do that. I've been meaning to tell you guys that I'm actually the new founder of Audience Plus. And this <laughs> is, like I've that. been starting this business from scratch. <laughs> right. By myself with no help. <laughs> only four hours a day. Right. Four, only four hours a day. writing this thread. Actually, no, with AI, like you can only do two now. You could actually be yeah, exactly. And in, in a way, we kind of did it to ourselves with like fake it till you make it nonsense. Like fake yeah. it till you make it, fake it till you make it. And it's like, so we we're literally just saying we should front. We should just pretend. And the thing is, yeah. to your point, Morgan, people aren't making it later. They're just pretending and being like, oh, I read it, Morgan. Morgan said he did it. I read it. And now I posted it. And now I've done it. And like yeah. the SEO one, that zero to seven million, whatever is on SEO, I saw one of these threads and then in the middle of the post and I go, oh, wait, hold on a second. That looks real familiar. Wait, because mm. I had written it three months ago. No way. No he way. took his oh own hook, God. stole Devin Reed's stuff for the middle and then put his dumbass course as the CTA. Oh and I God. went, no way. And I went, hold on a second. I had an out-of-body experience. Like when before I go ballistic. <laughs> I found the post and did a side by side and there's like seven sentences in a row, just absolutely copied and pasted. Click the kid's profile. He's like 24 years old. No knock if you're 24 years old, but you probably haven't done the things I have at two years out of college. And he's like, his whole thing, I'll build you an SEO, you know, money making SEO strategies, all these stuff, all these carousel posts. And I'm like, congrats, dude, you have more followers than me because you stole my content and who knows however many other people's. Yeah, that's this where is, we're at today. Yeah. This is so curious to me, though, because I'm new to this whole content 
creation thing, right? Like I'm, I'm. That's a lie. I'm from That's a, a lie angle. from a different angle. <laughs> well, I'm like, like, well, I'm just yeah, starting yeah. out. No, I'm new. Right? <laughs> yeah, I you're the groundbreaking CMO I up of this game called LinkedIn. He's like, it's I'm just crazy. starting out, guys. It's crazy. <laughs> But no, seriously, though, like, how do you guys think about digital plagiarism or whatever? Like, is that even something you're watching out for? Is it obviously sounds like it's happening a lot. Like, what do you do? How do you kind of protect your IP when you're posting everything online? I say from my end, it's normally it's very hard to do because I do a lot of video. There's mm. not anyone who's going to do a video like me. So yeah. it's just very difficult for someone to do yeah. that. Now, for the text, if something happened, we're like, Devin. I'm 100% going to do that. Now, here's the next level that started to happen to me where people will take my post and it's another language. So I don't even know yeah. sometimes. And so some people like, you know, I have, you know, I'm in London right now. I have a lot of European clients and a lot of European people. So I'll have people from other countries being like, yo, Morgan, like so-and-so's taking your content and putting it on other language. Obviously, I would never know that. But I got people who look out for me and then I have to be like, hey, I know this is my stuff and you put it in another language and I've had to call a couple people out. So yeah, oh, if you copy, Dutch. yeah, it's like in German and I'm like, oh, I don't know German. Of course I'm not going to know about that, but you know, shout out to the Germans. They got me. So yeah, it was, it was not it, but wow. that's how I see it. If it's word for word, I'm going to definitely go after that. If it's like something that I said and it was maybe paraphrase, I'm a little bit okay with that because it's a concept, but word for word, I, I have no talk. And especially if they're promoting something that they're getting paid for. Yeah, we're definitely I don't know. I'm going to get the lawyers involved at that point. Like, you don't want yeah. that. Like, that's a whole different conversation. I need my cut. Yeah, something. Yeah. Give me an affiliate link and, like, straight to me. I don't know. But I don't like that. You have a good point, though, Morgan, and I'm doing more of it this year, not just because of the curse-laden rant that I opened with, but, like, yeah. I'm doing more video this year because it can't be copied. You can uh. copy the topic. You can't copy the how, the delivery yeah. of it, the individual experience that you have. And when you put that on video people also remember it more. And so if someone's like talking about, I don't know, owned audience, uh -huh. right? owned media, yeah, Anthony already has that mind share. He already has that space. And so what you have to be saying has to be different than that because I'm already basing it off of Anthony. You know what I'm saying? Like Anthony yeah. is the baseline that you have to be different from. And if I see some things that look oddly familiar, <laughs> you get that feeling. There's the like, oh, this guy follows AK too. That's cool. We agree on certain things. And then there's the like, wait a second, I I swear I've read it just like this somewhere <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah. Like I'm getting deja vu right now. Yeah, yeah, I like, go back up. to the profile picture. That's not Anthony. I yeah. go to Anthony's profile. You scroll two times and you're like, yeah, he said this three weeks ago. So it's pretty easy to find, I feel like. But let's call something out that's actually really, really important is that, Mark, and you're talking about this. If you were, let's just AK and AK, you're about to dive into this. If you were wanting to talk about own audience, like people know where that's coming from. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can't be like, hey, guys, I came up with an epiphany last night. Own audience. Yeah. We were going to be like, what? But yep. if you were to, I think what's actually valuable, and I do this sometimes, I will copy and paste someone's post, but I show love. I said, hey, I saw yeah. this post from AK and he said this thing. Right. And then I'll add my commentary on it and say, yo, y'all should follow him, but this is my yeah. take. That's a little bit different. Right. That's like saying, like, hey, y'all, I came up with Gong Labs. Here's how I did it. Devin's like, bro, what? Right. <laughs> So you got to show credit to people and then add your commentary. But AK, you can, you can go in. No, I mean, that's great. And if you're on the other end of that, that's like huge because yeah. you know, we talk about like audience borrowing too, right? And if it happens yeah. organically like that, if Morgan, you know, you happen to post that, like that's love for us and that's amplification for us. And that's 
getting the message out to your audience that we're trying to evangelize and put out there. So there's like a good way to do this for sure. Yeah. Uh, the joke I was going to make was until the AI avatar video version of Devin Reed comes out and is producing these videos, fluent in Dutch, by the way, <laughs> then we're in trouble. Then we're like, no formats are safe at that point. I need to get my it's NIL happening. lawyer now for, for, to get ready for it. <laughs> you got to get ready, dog. <laughs> so I'm going to call Morgan one day and be like, did you know me and you are on a webinar right now? <laughs> <laughs> promoting Sendoso. <laughs> and yet I'm also here talking to you. What's going on? No knock on Sendoso. We like them, but <laughs> it's like straight Spanish too. It's like Latin yeah, market. <laughs> oh my God. So a lot of what we've been talking about so far is really what's happening out in the content world, but it's really just a lot of noise right now. So somebody here, and I'm not going to name who, Hopefully they remember that they posted this. Someone posted, stop creating for algorithms and start creating for humans. First off, does the person remember that they posted that? Yes. <laughs> did we all do it? Speaking of plagiarism at the same time. Is that me? <laughs> I I did it. It sounds like a bar. Wow, what if I actually plagiarized that from Devin? That would have been like outed right there. The the <laughs> Anthony, what does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think like, and again, the perspective that I bring is like the traditional, like when we say content marketing and B2B, we mean like performance content for the SEO algorithm to like maybe rank your post to hopefully drive some traffic and then convert like one to 2% of that traffic into revenue or into pipeline. That's sort of like when we say content marketing in the sort of 1.0 sense within the B2B team, marketing team, that's kind of what we're talking about. Every content asset that we're writing we're optimizing for a algorithm in Google to rank. If people didn't read the post, I don't know, no disrespect, but like, I don't think it mattered so long as it drove traffic and so long as people clicked on through to the website. And I think that what we're seeing is the world's changing. Obviously, there's now different algorithms that we're producing content for, LinkedIn being one of them, YouTube, like TikTok, there's so many others. But I think what's really interesting about the next wave here is that when you focus on doing something that people actually want to consume, and that's kind of I think what we're doing here with this format, this isn't like a traditional webinar or something of the like, people will want to pay attention. And inherently, there is going to be more value created on the other end of that consumption because they're like, hey, Devin said that one thing, but that stuck with me all week or, you know, Morgan something, whatever. And I think that's sort of the new chapter is all about value actually being achieved and realized on the other end of that content clip or promotion or full kind of asset. And I think, you know, obviously we're very biased towards saying as folks are engaging more, they're going to subscribe to you directly and they're going to go directly to you. And so in that world, you don't need to optimize around an algorithm at all because you have captive attention. And so that's where I think we're headed. And again, it's one of those things that it's not so like mind blowing, meaning like in the consumer world, they're already there. In the creator world, and then, you know, I'd say Morgan uh, for sure has been years ahead on this one, certainly Devin too, seeing it now make its way into B2B. I think that's sort of the thinking behind the post. I'm curious, Morgan, what? this is again, like we've talked about, like you were sort of one of the first movers, if not as far as I know, the first mover in B2B. <laughs> I think you were the first mover. And just so we're clear, I picked three of you very, very intentionally because of the different perspectives that you have and how uh, you all kind of fit into this content equation. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, what, what you've been seeing. Yeah. So I'm going to sound like an old head. I absolutely hate that I'm about to say this. But the problem is, is that a lot of people right now are 
creating noise, but they're creating noise in a bubble. So they're getting excited, but it's the same people getting excited about the same people. Mm. That inherently actually doesn't do anything for you at the end of the day. So when I created content, yes, there is an algorithm. There are things that change that there is a factor there. But to your point, AK, like the problem that people have when they create content is they're not thinking about going beyond the platform. And I don't know, we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Like that's the yeah. reason that I created content in the beginning, because I was like, how do I get beyond the platform? And how do yeah. I get beyond my current role that I'm in? So I'm an SDR. I'm making cold calls. I'm not making friends with these people. I'm making cold calls. Y'all already know what it is. If I cold call y'all back in the day, y'all probably be like, okay, Morgan, cool. We book a meeting. You would never talk to me. I'd ever get. We're, we ain't getting coffee. We ain't getting none together, right? <laughs> so my thing was if I create content, I can actually go beyond the platform and create real relationships. So as an SDR, I had relationships with VPs of sales, CROs, founders. There were no other SDR had a network like that where I could be like, hey, I have advice on something. That's the reason why I created the content. I wanted that access. And most people only think in the confines of the actual platform, messaging people, commenting, when it's actually taking the relationships and the content you have to have relationships beyond the platform. So yes, the algorithm is a part of it. I understand that. But the only thing I think about is how do I make impactful content that it touches people? And so if I ever want to reach out to someone or I want to meet somebody, they already have that connection so I can meet with them in person. And it's almost as if we've been friends for a long time. Cause they already know me and now I just got to understand and know them. And that's how my career has just grown and grown and grown is I'm able to build those connections very quickly because of the content that I created. And that's why I chose video actually over everything else. Cause it's a quicker connection. Hmm. So we talk about kind of the echo chamber and I think we're all very familiar and want to get out of the echo chamber on LinkedIn, basically just what you had said, Morgan. So one of the things that I've been hearing about for a while, and I feel like a few of you, if not all of you are really passionate about is this notion of becoming a media company. I feel like it's pretty trendy to say that right now. <laughs> and there are very few companies who are truly, truly doing that. So Devin, what does becoming a media company mean to you? To me, becoming a media company in, in the honest sense is you are, your business model is based on the creation and monetization of content. That's what it means. So like when I think about my business, the reader, I have consulting and I have media. The media is I am producing content that is either getting ad dollars or brand deals, right? And it is putting dollars in my pocket. And kind of to what Anthony was saying is like this mutual value creation has to be valuable for me, has to be valuable for them. When you think about B2B companies, and I've also taken this approach, I never thought of it through that lens because I hadn't met Anthony yet. I know Audience Plus and this kind of like newer narrative hadn't come out yet. I was just thinking, no one gives a shit about my product. No one cares. I sold at Gong. I can promise you no one wanted call recording in 2017, 2018. And so when I moved over to the marketing department, I had a rule. No product talk for one year. Go back and read what my team produced. Now, mind you, I wasn't on product marketing. I was top of funnel, brand and demand, that sort of thing. But what I was really thinking is like, look, I'm trying to win mind share so we can win market share. And that means putting out content that is valuable, whether you use our product or not. And so that's why we're doing videos. We're doing written. We're doing audio because we know some people will never show up to a webinar. Some people will never yeah. click play on a podcast. But if you can have a distinct point of view, provide immense value to your niche audience. Over time, you can scale to different formats, to different channels, and then you start to build a content powerhouse yeah. where all people are doing it. To your point, Morgan, 
they're reading you on LinkedIn, but they're talking about you on Slack. They're, re- mm. they're hearing you on a podcast and they're talking about you at an event. That leap from like digital to real life, that's really to me where the magic is. Very few teams get there, but you have to invest in that media first before you can even have that opportunity because no one's coming up to Morgan and being like, hey, did you read XYZ's new product one pager? Like it was a banger. <laughs> you got to peep it. Like no one's doing that. No one cares. Yo, it's slack. <laughs> yeah, but if you say, hey, do you see that stat that Audience Plus came out with and about this? Now you're starting conversations, you're leading conversations, or you're at the center of existing conversations. That's to me what it means to be yeah. a truly successful media company. Something I reflect on is like, what's the newness here? What's the newness of this trend? Part of it, I think, is the language we've used, I think, in B2B for a while is like thought leadership. We need to create thought leadership, which is exactly when I think about it, exactly what Devin kind of said here, where our customers for let's zoom in all the way into customers are using our products in order to achieve an outcome. And as a brand that is made up of more than just a product, it is our content, ultimately our events, our community, all the other things that are helping them also achieve an outcome. There's overlap in some cases where it's our products with our content, like product education, those types of things that help them. But what about the business change? What about the hiring needs? What about how to structure the meeting or a compensation plan? That's all content that is going to help them do their job and be more effective in driving towards that outcome. So this is something that, you know, if we're honest, like obviously companies like Gong, like really get it, user evidence, but it's still kind of like on the early chapters of us leading with thought leadership. Like we talk about corporate marketing in the B2B construct of, oh, you got revenue marketing over here that gets all the budget. Corporate marketing, that sits over here. That's this like other thing. And I found the opposite to be true in, in my career where thought leadership is not just like unaided brand awareness, but it's fundamentally a driver of revenue. And that's, I think, the big strategy beneath this. When we talk about the media company thing and when we started, we really latched on to that language. And what I've learned is that it's like, a decade old or something. And there's a lot of like emotional reaction when people hear that. They're like, all right, I know everyone's trying to become a media company. Like, what does that even mean? And what I've learned is in the first version of us trying to become like a media company, we would produce a bunch of content, maybe spend 30 grand on a video asset that like we you got one investment in Q1, one in Q2. We put it up on YouTube and we put all put our heart and soul into this video. And we get like 200 views on it. And our CEO is like, hey, did that work? I'm like, I think so. Like maybe we got 100. Like I think we have, well, you know, it might've been a prospect. We saw a bump in traffic that day. One customer yeah. talked about it somewhere. And that's the language that we had. And so the CEO is like, great. You can never do this again, basically. Right. <laughs> and so we're like, forget this media company thing. It doesn't work for B2B. <laughs> and so that's, that's what brought us to this like idea of this 2.0, which it's a data problem. Ultimately, what we need to understand is who within our audience is engaging with what topics of those 200, how many were prospects, how many were customers, how many were partners or investors, and all of that sort of data that YouTube has on us and our audience, they just don't share it with us, that LinkedIn has, doesn't often share it with us, Spotify and the rest, that's data that we have access to in this sort of first party context. I'm very biased starting a company in this area. But honestly, I believe like if we're able to actually prove that our audience and certain types, certain folks, cohorts in our audience are engaging with this stuff, this becomes the primary vector for how we go to market because of all the reasons we're talking about. It's an exchange of value. And, you know, ultimately it helps our 
audience get to where they need to go in their careers uh, with or without our products. That's my view. Biased. Stepping down from the... Devin, uh, you look like you're deep in thought. <laughs> yeah. so Mark, deep you know, oh, I look like I'm deep in thought. You know why, Mark? Have you seen that... Uh, what is it around the horn where the guy has a little handle and he can like mute people or give them? Oh points? yes, I used to watch around the horn like every day after school as a kid. <laughs> yeah, great show. I was I was deep in thought, thinking, how do we get Mark one of those <laughs> so he can so he can you mute, you mute me? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm gonna like mutable there. Figure out how to do that. No, no. not to mute you. Ask me how it is. You know, he's just no, no, on his narrative and you're just saying, dog, dog, mute him? What? <laughs> no, I'm te I'm, I was teasing because oh I'm getting competitive. Goodness. Well, I'm like, we need points. I need a point system for Anthony because he earned the points. But uh -huh. it's way funnier to lead with muting a friend than it is oh, to man. give him credit. <laughs> I'll see you guys uh, later. I'll just be back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, let me know when I can come back. <laughs> oh, my God. That was unreal. Morgan, you're helping companies kind of move towards that media arm with your agency, right? Like, what yep. are you, what are you seeing companies struggle with when they try and make the change? Like it doesn't happen overnight. No. So I think one of the key things is like, when people think media company, you have to do crazy things, right? Yo, I gotta go get a hundred million dollar studio and a camera. Like, you know, I mean, if you want to do that, great. It's like, you don't have to. So it's like, when you're thinking like a media company, there is the infrastructure where AK is talking about making sure we have the data to make sure it's working. But also there's the infrastructure of who's actually in the content. So yeah. our belief system is that, and we're, we're gonna talk, I know we're going to talk about this later, but when I think of influencers and creators, I actually think that we're looking at it wrong. We have to really look at people who are truly subject matter experts, which is completely different in the B2B sense. And those yeah. are the people who are actually going to impact pipeline and increase your revenue. So we have to figure out how do we amplify subject matter experts and help them get inside of the content that's unconventional and different, which is part of you building a media strategy so that you can build top of the funnel and brand awareness. So those subject matter experts could obviously be external, but they could be your executive, they could be the customers. And we're working with brands to figure out, you know, how do we get these people elevated? Because in a B2B sense, most people know, if you're an executive, you know what you're talking about. You just need to figure out how do you get yourself out there in content, which you don't know because you're not a content creator. So we're yeah. coming in and I'm just saying, hey, here's a framework on how to be a content creator. I was doing this when I was an SDR and I just came out of college and people paid attention. So they'll probably pay attention to you if you had a couple exits and you built some companies and you have more accolades than me. So we're just giving them those frameworks so then they can go execute and be like, okay, we'll do that in a virtual event. We'll do that with a live show. You know, we'll do that through a video series. But you have to have some type of subject matter expert in order to do that. And to your point, Morgan, it's like, it's broken because B2B marketers are looking at the B2C playbook and just copying and pasting, which is right. like, and, and I have heard this from well-intentioned executives at companies I worked or work for, which is like, why don't we spin up influencer marketing program? Okay. First thought is always like, make a spreadsheet with voices in the space based on follower count yeah. every single right. time. Yeah. And so I get it. It's like, but reach doesn't always convert. And what we're trying to do really is build trust at scale through these influencers. Yep. Because influencer marketing with Kylie Jenner and Pepsi works really great because in the grocery aisle, it's an impulse buy. Do I need soda? Yeah, I need soda. Do I want Coke? Do I want Pepsi? I remember that commercial. I'll drink what Kylie's drinking. No one's buying enterprise software impulsively. 
Yeah. $100,000, $200,000 is not going to be based off it that way. So a transactional approach to your influencer marketing isn't going to work. No. And so that's why I like these more, and you know, Morgan, me and you are doing this with at Clary right now, like these in-depth, long-term agreements with people who ideally have subject matter expertise, credibility, and a good following, which is reach. Mm -hmm. There's only a few people, you know, depending on your like market and your space that have that, but you need to balance out what are you really trying to do here? Are you trying to get a whole bunch of views on your brand, you know, like on your logo and people will know you exist, or you're trying to build deep trust within people who actually buy or, you know, make purchasing decisions or influence purchasing decisions based on the content that they're producing on your brand's behalf. And I want to add to this, you know, internally, Devin, we talked about this because we were talking about a webinar, but Mark, for context for you, we look at everything that we do, even when we work with certain people and we want them to go be the subject matter expert. We look at the three C's. One is charisma. Can you actually communicate? The Riz. <laughs> like if you, I did not think we were going to get a Riz reference hey, here. Hey, look, if you don't have the Riz, what are you, like, what are you doing? I don't know. It's not, it's not going to work. Like, you got to have some type of factor. And you can have a Riz factor with writing, but also if you're in video, you yeah. got to have it, right? Two, like you said, Devin, credibility. And three, this is actually the most important one that most people in this space are missing because they're just trying to make things happen or like, oh, this person has following is character. Why is this important? Because if you have someone that becomes your subject matter expert or you bring someone in as a subject matter expert and their character's off, that's going to reflect your brand. So you got to make sure that mm. the people that you're elevating, they have good character because that will hurt you in the long run. Even if the older oh, got 500,000, we've seen it with multiple celebrities, their deals have gotten taken away because of their yeah. character and you have to pay attention to that in the B2B space. So we look at the three C's when we evaluate, okay, you know, who do we want to work with? if they want to be a subject matter expert and you're trying to put them on in your company. Morgan, I'm curious because you didn't say there's no fourth C around reach there, which is something that I'm thinking about a lot because I love this idea of saying who are maybe not the loudest voices online today, but are the experts that have something credible to say. We opened up with Devin's hot take. The people who have done it, right, <laughs> have done the job before, yeah. but they don't know how to be a creator. Or they don't know how to like put themselves out there. They might have charisma. They just don't have camera or whatever, right? Yeah. To like get started. Would you advise folks, brands to like do deals with those types of voices as well, who may not have the built-in distribution, but you're getting the expertise, you're getting kind of the right story told. How do you think about that? Yeah. So I was just talking to a client about this two days ago. So very timely. So what I was saying is like, okay, we have your subject matter experts. They got the three C's, but there are people out there that have like five to 20,000 followers right now that they just need a platform and they would probably be solid in the next couple of months. So what I like to call these people are, they're either your brand ambassadors or they're affiliates. And here's my hot take, I'm sick, uh, this is what I'm sick of. If I see another one of these, I'm gonna lose my mind. Strategic advisor, this needs to stop. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you why, and I'm gonna tell you why in this context, all right? What is going on here? So the strategic advisor, most people, not all, because Mark, I know you have some. So the strategic advisor, most people, they will go get them but they don't do any advising. They just create content. So that's a wrong title, that doesn't make sense. They're not hopping on calls, they're not talking about the product. They actually have no context to talk about the product, but they're a strategic advisor because they wanted the title. That actually ruins credibility for your own brand because the real advisors you want, they actually won't come join. I've heard this behind the scenes multiple times, like, hey, I see that you have these strategic advisors that aren't advisors, I actually don't wanna be on the advisor board. Now, 
If you, mm. at the same time, you're going to look at my profile, like, wait, Morgan, you have strategic advisors. Because I actually advise, right? I actually get on calls. I talk about the product. I'm with the founder, right? So there has to be a distinction, I think, in the space where if you're working with someone, it can answer your question, that five to 20, 20,000, maybe they have less. I don't really care. That's an affiliate. That's a brand ambassador. And you could pair mm. them with their subject matter expert. Because guess what? If I'm an up-and-coming content creator and I want to talk about content strategy, and Devin, let's say, for example, is working very closely with this brand and I have 5,000 followers and a company comes to me and they say, hey, look, we won't be able to pay you the same as Devin or whatever, but here's a couple of things you could do as an affiliate, but I can do content with Devin. Guess what? I'm going to go do that because I want to get closer to that top. So there's ways you can get these brand ambassadors and affiliates, but I don't like that they're called strategic advisors. I think it completely ruins the space. So Mark, you can come after me. We can have a back and forth. So <laughs> that's my context. Yeah, not going to come after you because I actually agree with everything that you said because I've been a strategic advisor at companies who did exactly what you just said. So what <laughs> I did, not to derail this totally, but when I was building out this advisor program at User Evidence, I talked to other people in our space. I figured out, you know, what did they like when they were a strategic advisor? What did they hate? Like, what do they want to do more of? So the little advisory board that I've put together, like, I've actually built out a true advisor board where I'm sending weekly updates. I'm giving them all the context of what's going on in other parts of the business. I'm saying, hey, I'm stuck here. Do you have ideas? I don't want to just treat people as like little brand ambassadors who are shouting us out on LinkedIn because that's what everyone's doing right now. Yeah. And they all have templates. And yeah. they never use the product. I'm, I'm <laughs> yes. sick of it. Hey, steal my template, bro. <laughs> steal my template, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm, Come on, bro. I'm going to lose my, my mind if I see all the student advisors announced on the same day and I know they're not actually advising. It's, I'm sick <laughs> of well, it. And, and, so I advise for Anthony's company. And I either have an advisor. We should check my LinkedIn. I either have an advisor or I would rather have the specialization on their marketing advisor, content strategy mm -hmm. advisor. If I see that on someone's profile, I go, oh, they're real deep in that niche. Yeah. You know, yeah. like for you, Morgan, like, you know, sales advisor or media advisor, like to me, right. that means more than strategic advisor because, hey, guess what? Here it is. If you're an advisor, <laughs> you should be strategic. <laughs> it's, in, it's, it's implied. What about non-strategic like, hey, advisors? Hey, uh, I'm an athletic athlete for Nike. I'm an athletic athlete for Adidas. Like, hey, we get it, buddy. We get it. Okay. And we also see that you have 70,000 followers. And you're just posting once a month for this company. We're not that dumb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, I mean, Morgan, that's really what I've seen plenty of companies do. I think a lot of them are curious about what to do in this creator or influencer marketing space. And oftentimes they just default to that's what I think that I should be doing if I want to test the waters out here. So I see it time and time again, and I'm sure you all do, too. It's also on the creators to understand that they have to make sure that they label themselves appropriately. So I'm also going to put this on the creators too. Creators need to do their due diligence at the same time. I know creators right now that are just like not reading contracts, not paying attention, like signing things that don't make sense. Like, y'all, you have to also do your due diligence, which I'm going to go all the soapbox here. A lot of these people are in sales. So you're not even reading contracts and you're in, like, it doesn't make sense to me. This is, this is ridiculous. So get it together and understand that there's distinctions because that will make you more credible, right? There's no way you could be uh, a strategic advisor and doing it up to that level. I would say, make sure you understand your distinctions of brand ambassador. Am I an affiliate? Am I a strategic advisor? And I think the highest level, which I only do with select brands, like, you know, with Devin work that we do is like a subject matter expert integration where I'm deep. I'm super deep in the company. I know the product. I know what's going mm -hmm. on. I'm in the roadmap. 
but I can't do that for everyone. But that's how a lot of people should be thinking right now. But if you're like, I'm just going to stack up my strategic advisors and act like it's Pokemon, you're going to get cooked. <laughs> like, just stop. I'm trying to help y'all. Don't do this. Oh, I just looked and made sure that it does say marketing advisors for all the advisors that I brought on. So, he's like sending post. DMs. He's like, "Hey, man, can yeah. you just change? I know this isn't going to make any sense. Can, can you, you just change, change it from right strategic now? advisor to marketing Morgan's advisor?" Morgan's cooking up a post, and I don't want to catch a stray. No. So, <laughs> so Anthony, I'm going to throw this over to you. When you were first launching and really announcing Audience Plus. I didn't really know what Audience Plus was, but I saw all of these advisors that you had, and I was like, there's way too many people that I respect involved for there to not yeah. be you know, up to something good. So what was the thought behind that and kind of share what you can? Yeah. See, I was hiding behind the mute button and we <laughs> y'all were talking about this a little bit. I'm like, got my phone over yeah. here. I love you, AK. Mess them no, up. No. I'm sorry, I'm bro. I went too hard on accident. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Here's the thing. Maybe this is a taxonomy thing because... It's not advisors for the most part. It's probably closer to affiliates as we would be called. By the way, we have advisors for sure, and Devin's one of them. But like the approach that I took came from kind of a different mindset. And so walk with me through this. The advisory agreements of the past in the classical sense was fell on, under one of two buckets. One, we're going to give you like a big chunk of equity to like be a part of this team, basically, like weekly strategy meetings, like monthly advisory board sessions, whatever it is, like you got to do the work to earn that equity. And it's typically a decent size option package. But for most people, you don't have the bandwidth to like, you got a full-time job and maybe like, you know, obviously a family at home, several other kind of commitments. You can't like take on this like massive level of effort. Now, the other side of the spectrum, and some of you guys might've seen this, hopefully Audience Plus isn't one of them, but like you sign the advisory agreement, you never hear from them again. And it's like, I don't know what's going on, but like I signed a thing to your point, Morgan. I may not have even read it. I, I don't know, but I got a card of things. So I'm sure there's something there. <laughs> like that's sort of the other end of the spectrum. Hey, hey, and hey, so, hey, those card emails hit though. When you get that, know, hey, right? you got more, more share. Like, hey, hey, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I did it. I did it. But to me, that, and I can't take any credit for the strategy. Uh, Sendoso, actually, Chris, I learned so much from him. He pioneered, I don't know what the official name for it is. I, I refer to them as micro advisors, but affiliates might be a better name for it. And I will now check after this. But the idea was, we're like, think of starting a business with like no audience, with no credibility, with no understanding, maybe even in a new market like ours, where people don't necessarily all know what it exactly you're talking about. You're going to have to go and tell a story for the first time. You can do it several ways. You could like launch it on product hunt, do it like demo day, like build a wait list or whatever. And that's like the product led maybe path to like launching a company. Or you can have more of a community led way of doing it. And for us, we launched our content almost a year before we launched our product. So the earlier conversation, like market education, thought leadership, and we didn't do it alone. We had some of the greatest kind of voices in this industry kind of being a part of that storytelling with us. And so, yes, it's very much what you're talking about of like the dark arts of like, please post this. And it's like a templated post and do it now or in this hour, I'll throw the Udi, <laughs> like put a calendar invite on your calendar and now post it, you know, right here. But basically that amplified it for us so much because first of all, 
when we did launch, we launched with a like big bang because again, it wasn't a no name company. It was a company that had a size, decent sized audience relative to kind of their maturity, but then had credible voices that were, you know, not validating the product because the product was still very new, but saying that thing that they're talking about is real. And I believe it. And that went a long way on representing the brand side of, of this conversation. That went a very long way for us. Now, again, to your point, this might be different than what a integrated advisory actually looks like. And I think we need to be careful about how we sort of like build that and maintain and engage that community over time. Candidly, like I don't know that we've done the best job of that, but I'd like to. But it was probably one of the top three best decisions we made in our company so far was having other voices be a part of building this. By the way, I will say, I don't know, as marketers, if like I recommend anyone does this again, but I invited everyone to a Figma and we were like looking at web copy and they just destroyed me public. Like it was like a public lashing. <laughs> my of, heart like, just dropped at the thought of that. Yeah. Oh my God. Not <laughs> my do that. Goodness. But I will say I went in with like, here's our launch website. Here's the messaging and like a chorus of like, you're dumb, basically <laughs> like came through Figma. But after we processed that feedback, I was like, good Lord, what a gift to be able to like, you know, get folks to weigh in on our strategy. So, yeah. And I think for me, to my point earlier, I didn't really know what you all were doing when you launched, but I knew that by all of the voices and more importantly, credible voices that you had associated with you, like you captured my mind share. Like I was starting to pay attention and it worked. So hopefully you were able to measure it a little bit more than just me telling you that right now. But like, how do you measure that sort of thing? Cause you know, execs are going to be asking like, is this working? Is this not working? Yeah. Different. I guess, sets of goals for us are like top level metric that we look at as subscribers. And so are people subscribing directly to our content? We're amplifying our content on LinkedIn and all these other networks, but are they going into clicking on into audienceplus.com, engaging with our content there, and then hopefully subscribing. And so that's really for us, the top of funnel, if you will. When I was, again, forget about our current product, but even at Gainsight, it was when folks opted into our thought leadership. They attended an event, they registered for a webinar, they downloaded an ebook in the old case, the white paper that slaps that Morgan was referring to. Like when <laughs> folks like get into our funnel through best practices as opposed to a product demo, that's how we sort of started the relationship. Now again in the V1 world, we sort of like looked at that weekly in an aggregate number and then sort of moved on. Maybe we had like a lead scoring component there. But I think in this new world with, you know, we use our own product and we're able to say, okay, well what are all the things that Mark has done? What topics is he interested in? And is he engaging with like later stage content or more kind of thought leadership? And that helps us kind of tell the ROI story internally. For the non-Audience Plus customers, Morgan, how are you helping your clients measure this? And, you know, you can't measure everything quantitatively, but you got to show some qualitative or quantitative things that it's working. Yeah, you can't be like, hey, guys, it looks really cool. I, mean, I yeah, wish I, I could say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It looks so cool. So there's really, there's like three levers. So there's the tangibles and the intangibles, but again, within those three. So number one is, as what everyone cares about is pipeline. So there's different ways of looking at that. The most simple way is for every person that we work with, we have just a tab and it's just basically like, how'd you hear about us? So we'd put like, okay, was, was it through Morgan? Was it through AMP? Whatever that may be. So we add those pieces in there. Another thing that we look at, I know Devin, we've done this is like, okay, how many actual like signups that we get from the webinar we did right and i know Devin, you can speak to that one when, when, when it turns around to you so those are ways that we look at pipeline across the board number two is like what is your social lift so when we start working with you are you getting more linkedin followers are people talking about you more let's say through slack or for example like 
are the people that we're working with directly, are they getting more engagement, right? Are you getting more engagement in the newsletter, right? Are you getting more people, right? So that's the way that we look at it. And the third is the intangible, which is just the overall brand awareness. When you're in a conversation just on Zoom, are people talking about, yo, that concept was great. The dark social is what they call it. But more so, like, what are people saying in those conversations that, like, we can't track, but we are hearing that this is going well? So those are typically the three levers that I look at. Obviously, number one is the most important, but two and three play into that for sure. Devin, how does that stack up to, like, how you thought about measuring this before you started working with Morgan? Yeah, so, like, I mean... Yes. And like just the way that I look at it is pretty straightforward is like, look, are we getting audience growth or are we getting pipeline growth? Those are really the two things that I care about. Content engagement, you could argue is like the second, like, are we getting more people to show up to webinars and such? Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of like the intermediary between audience and pipeline. But what I'm looking for is through those three lenses, but primarily through the pipeline. Like, obviously, that's what matters most right now. And so when I'm evaluating different creators, influencers, whatever you want to call them to work with, the first thing I look for is the credibility. Number one thing is credibility. If Clary plus Devin plus Morgan is on a banner for a webinar, is that better look or a worse look than just Devin and Clary, candidly? Like, is that a better or worse look? So are you making my brand more credible? So that's the first thing. The second is like, do you got reach? Can, <laughs> can you get me more people, please? Because I need that. And so it's like, all right, can you help our following grow? For sure. The way that I really look at it is like, you know, hey, if we do a, Morgan's a good example, if we do a co-branded, you know, PDF, and by the way, I will gate the hell out of some content. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. If the content slaps, I'm putting a gate in front of it because I'm, I'm growing my email list and I'm monetizing it. So anyway, I'm just going to throw that in there. But, and then, or a webinar, a virtual event, whatever you want to call it, like, you know, will more people show up? When Morgan, for example, does a webinar with me and when Kyle Coleman was at Clary is we got a big lift and the lift isn't just, oh, Morgan ported his audience over. It's my following, Kyle's following, Clary's audience, you know, and it's like, oh, they want to hear from Morgan too. And they want to hear Morgan and Devin and Kyle, like they want, mm. it's a more compelling offer. And so way more people show up. I think Morgan, we're averaging like literally 1500 to 2000 people registering yep. for a webinar. I would say without Morgan... It kind of depends. Kyle's also kind of like an anomaly, yeah. but like, you know, we can get 500 to 1200 kind of on a normal day pending topic and audience. But when you put together these credible speakers on a hyper relevant topic, you're getting 2000 plus registrants, you're getting 700 MQLs, you know what I mean? In one day and your sales team is like, Hey, content's pretty dope. We kind of like this whole marketing <laughs> idea. So it's like, <laughs> you got to invest in that credibility yep. versus other people. Like, why don't we do a webinar every week? Cause if that worked, more people would be doing it. You know what I mean? So, Devin, that comment, I see Jason Lemkin talk about doing that all the time. And who? Jason Lemkin. Who? <laughs> Jason Lemkin. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going with it. He is. That's a teaching advisor, right? No, I'm I know. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm messing. I've never met Jason. No, I know. No, but like, just, in him. my eyes, he's one of the more credible people in B2B SaaS. And he recommends that sure. weekly webinars. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, if he's saying it, why am I not doing this? I was actually teasing Jason Lemkin. I've never met him. If he hears this, he can hate uh, him. I mean, I, I'm he's listening but, to this. That's already a huge positive for qualitative like <laughs> indicators. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because he saw Anthony on the he saw Anthony on the pod on his feed. Uh, like, no, no, no. Look, uh, in all honesty, Jason, I don't agree with a lot of things he says. 
but I actually like that about him. I like that I don't agree with everything. As long as you're not pulling like too much Stephen A. Smith nonsense. I like Stephen A. Smith's delivery, by the way. I just think he says shit. Like, how is Stephen A. Smith? How is how are both of them? Literally, they're in the news every week on some <laughs> dumb stuff, like the not like the dumb ideas that we choose not to say in our heads. Those guys are amplifying. Anyway, I'm not saying yeah. Jason does that, but I like that he does say things I disagree with. Right. So here's the thing. If you say every B2B company should be doing a weekly webinar, you are wrong. If you say the weekly webinar can be extremely beneficial for companies who are at this stage with this, 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 this because I've done it before. Then mm. yeah, of course, that's a great idea. Yep. Watch out for the superlatives, yeah. the nevers, the always, the guarantees, all that stuff. No, it's not right. true. I believe in thought leadership, but if I sold a transactional widget, I probably wouldn't need a whole lot of thought leadership. I could probably get away with something else. So you got to decouple the person giving the advice and the scenario, the context of that advice and go, hey, does that make sense for me? Does that make sense for where I'm at? Right. But of course, you get more clicks and followers if you just kind of say brazen stuff purposefully or not. Not again, not that Jason does it purposely. Again, I don't know. I don't. I'm going to clip him. this and send it to him right away. All right. So, <laughs> Devin, you. I will never be allowed yes. a disaster if I try next year. I'll get stopped at the door and be like, yeah, you thought you were slick on that podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Devin, you let us off on your soapbox. Morgan, I think you got on and off your soapbox like three or four times. Anthony, you have not gotten on yet. So why don't you close us out with your oh, hottest man. take of everything that we talked about leading into 2024? What makes AK angry? I want to see a pissed off AK for a second. <laughs> oh like, what? I'm not passionate. Well, let me think. So the people in the comment section need to calm down. It's one thing if you're like, uplifting other people or you're like saying yes or i respectfully disagree but i could post like hey the sky is just blue today and they're like yeah. how dare you like you know <laughs> how dare you the sky is aqua and you know getting into that whole thing and i feel like we just have to like try not to bring the toxicity that is so prevalent online into the business context because people just don't have there's just no time for that there's like the respectful disagreeing but I've had so many moments. Here's my soap. Here's my getting mad moment. But like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, do I respond to this person? Like, do I say something or do I just let it go? Do I let that just anger or vile live on in my comments? Or is it worth it for me to address it? And there have been some times where I have addressed it and it's almost never been a good outcome. And so what I'm learning is let it go. Like, let it go. You're always going to have someone that's going to say something, especially the closer you get to good controversial, not controversial for the sake of superlatives. Let so, me add some time. Okay, I want to yeah. agree. I want to give an example. But here's the tip. Honestly, for real, embrace that. Yeah. Embrace people in the comment section who are wrong, who mm. disagree, because it's giving you traction. Yeah. You're still sure. starting a conversation. Example, yesterday. I posted an email template on the internet and I said, this 42 word template has helped me da, 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 da. True facts. Tell me there wasn't multiple people arguing how many words were actually in the email template. Some got 41, some got 43, some got 44. And I went, okay, first of all, let me recount. Cause I'm not that good at it. And I'm like, nah, Still 42 or whatever I initially posted. And people are arguing about how many words are in the thing. And I was like typing out like the reply and I went, 
dude, who cares? Go for, yeah, just keep sure. talking. As long as you're talking, as long as something's happening on the post, it's a benefit. And yeah. so it's like, it doesn't matter to your point, Anthony, if like the sky's blue or whatever, people will find a thing to argue yeah. about. Embrace it. If you're listening to this, embrace that. It's actually really good. You just have to detach yourself from the emotional reaction yeah, that right. can happen, you know, when you're reading that about your work. That's right. Yep. Guys, I would love to keep going. I promise you that. But we are right at time here. This was awesome. We'll have to do another episode in a couple months with Jason Lemkin. And then once I figure out the new <laughs> and then uh, we'll see how it goes. But appreciate having you all on. This was great.